Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and it's chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. Uh, so listen now for the word of God. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly, like a trap, for it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, this certainly seems like a strange text for the first Sunday in Advent. I mean, we come to Advent and we're looking ahead to that babe born in the manger in Bethlehem. And here we have a text that the church around the world is reading, a text of gloom and doom. So how is this the way to start off our Advent season? Well, you know, of course, that Advent has two sides or two faces to it. There is the one that we uh, spend so much time focused on, and that is the babe that will be born in the manger in Bethlehem, and our remembrance of that act and, and preparing ourselves for the babe, the savior of the world, to be born again into our hearts and lives. But there is a second side to Advent, and it is this sense of expectation and awaiting and praying for the return of Christ in all his glory to complete that which was begun 2,000 years ago. In the early church, they really didn't focus on this sense of the babe born in the manger well, they probably knew that story so well. In fact, I like to imagine this, that for people in the ancient world in the days after Jesus, there were all these stories they would tell. Like, you know, uh, Grandpa used to talk about the time Jesus came walking by his town and, and healed a blind man. 
Or someone would say, oh, we remember that uh, great-great-grandma, you know, Esther, that, that she uh, talked about being a little girl and, and sitting uh, on the hillside when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. They were so close to the life of Jesus that that wasn't really what they were paying attention to. And up until probably the 5th or 6th century, Christians were eagerly awaiting the return of Christ to complete all things. Their Advent season was awaiting the second coming of Christ and making sure that they were ready for his return. In fact, this word Advent comes from the Latin adventus, which is uh, a translation of the Greek word for the coming or the arrival of Christ. So, in other words, in the early church, they were focused on being ready and preparing themselves for Christ to return and hoping that they would be found blameless in his sight. Now, that is where this text comes in this morning, is this sense of the way the early church viewed this season of Advent. And in this passage, which is most of chapter 21, someone comes to Jesus and basically says, you know, how will we know what will be the sign that the end is near and you are returning? And Jesus begins here in verse 8 by saying, hey, you know what? There are going to be a lot of people who are going to come around and say, look, it's the end of times, the signs. Are you reading the signs? And we even now know Christian groups that do this. Uh, think, for example, about some of those cults who will say, we've calculated the date, they go out to New Mexico, they sit on a mesa, they wait for Jesus to return, and then they go, I think we got the date right, and they go back down from the mesa. Or uh, actually Jehovah's Witnesses who every you know, year have to update their publications because, well, no, that wasn't the end, but now is the end. And what Jesus says when people are saying the end is near, he says, don't believe them. Don't go after them. Because those aren't really the signs that the end is near. And then the next thing he does in this passage is he begins to uh, list out the terrible things that are part of life in a fallen world. Jesus says, you know, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes, never see any of those. There will be famines and droughts, never see those. There will be persecutions, there will be hatred. There will be relatives and friends who are divided and set against one another. He lists all these things that are the nature of a fallen world. And he says, but even these, these aren't the end. These aren't the signs of the end. And oddly enough, he then turns to this parable of the fig tree. Now, he's just painted all this gloom and doom and this despair that we all face and points now to the fig tree. As if to say, the signs of God are actually all around us. 
You see, the fig tree is a late bloomer. It is one of the last trees to bloom, but when it does, it has great big leaves on it. And so it provides wonderful shade. Of course, it provides a source of food. The fig tree, as long as you have to wait for it, ends up being this real source of hope and life. Jesus is trying to draw this stark contrast between the fallen world and the terrible things that happen to us. And, and if they're not happening today, we all know that sooner or later we're going to face difficult times. I, I think about, uh, you know, you find the love of your life, you're traveling along so happily, and then you lose the love of your life. It's a hard world. Bad, terrible, sad things happen. But Jesus says, but look around the world and what God is providing for you here and now. And he uses these words. The kingdom of God is near. He's not saying the end of the world is near, but he is saying the hope of the world is right here among you. Every generation sees the signs around them of despair. Every generation sees these terrible things that happened, but the kingdom of God is near. Our hope is always in the living God. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the word become flesh, in this babe born in the manger, savior of the world who will grow up, go to the cross, be risen again. And yes, our hope is in this savior who will return to complete what was begun in that manger 2,000 years ago. Our hope lies always and only in Jesus Christ. No matter what is happening in the world, no matter what we face, the kingdom of God is here with us now. The world's despair need not be ours. And so, like those early Christians, we pray, come, Lord Jesus, Adventus, Lord Jesus, come again into our world, return and complete what you have begun. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.